feel like there's a pure Michigan long drink connection here that we can help facilitate. This this is the pathway forward. <laughs> I'll get uh, the alliance on it. <laughs> alliance assemble. <laughs> okay, ready? This is it. This is the show. What's with the pineapple? A podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a, a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? Okay, we are, we're here. We're here back in the podcast room. Together. Which the last episode we weren't, and you know, no one complained, but I personally hated it was my best work. Let me say that. And I'm here to redeem myself. Let's go. No one was saying you were a disaster. Don't don't let that hang over your head. I think you did great. I'm glad you're back in this room, though. We're going to be so much better together. It's going to be a better podcast. I'm excited about it. Yeah, buckle up, because here we go. All right, Super Bowl. So we're recording this on a Thursday. The Super Bowl is Sunday. The episode's not going to come out until probably Monday or Tuesday. Boycotting. Go on. Okay, moving on. Go Lions. This is my point. We spoke all season to come that close. I'm still excited about the future of the team. I mean, it's fantastic. Sometimes, you know, we won a lot of games that were real tight. To have that one come back and bite us in in the you-know-what, it felt like the worst time to have a regression to the mean for the team overall. You win some and you lose some close ones. To lose that game up the way we did just stings to be that close. I take full blame because I was watching it at home, and then at halftime, me and my cousin went up to the bar and watched the rest of the game. And I feel oh. like, I feel like the change just really, uh, really turned the tide. So my apologies to Michigan. Yeah, that's a that's a setback. It's good to know that we can blame exclusively you and your decision making for for this one, but. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe we dodged uh, the average ticket price is $10,000 for the Super Bowl. The average. Wild. So can you imagine with the demand that Detroit fans would have put on this if they were there having, you know, never been. Right. It, we're just saving ourselves maybe $25,000 per person. Yeah. Because we, we, you and I definitely would have been in attendance. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you think Travis Kelsey proposes? <laughs> <laughs> That is not a question I was prepared to be asked, nor do I have a strong opinion either way. I support Ma'auto, though, if he wants to do it. Let him make the proposal. I mean, I think that would be such a weird distraction from just winning the Super Bowl to that being what comes next. But that's fine. That's the fine. NFL would love it. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on. Thank God. Hey, what else has been going on this week? It's been a busy week. What day is it? Thursday? I think. I don't we know. started with a Sunday, Monday board meeting in Detroit. Yes, we did. Fantastic. We had great weather and an amazing oh, uh, yeah. dinner with Heirloom Hospitality. Thank you to Jeremy Sassoon for hosting. And a great board meeting where we welcomed six new members from across the state of Michigan. Loved it. I thought it was a really inspiring couple of days. People left energized. I, you know how I know this? The, the number of texts, emails, and phone calls that came in from our board after about how excited they were about the year ahead, about how good the conversation was, how they excited they are about the six new members on the board, all was really energizing. It was good. I then got on a flight and immediately went to Key West. Oh, how was that? 
It was actually windy and kind of cold. All right. Just <laughs> move on. 36 total You've hours, You've alienated though. our audience completely. Everyone hates uh, you. Well, it's no. When you're there for 30, how about this? 36 hours. I was almost on a plane there and back as long as I was there. But it's, it's beautiful there. It's obviously beautiful there. Yeah. Still don't want to hear it. But yeah, go on. Great Great conference. Uh, I joined the board of the International Society of Hotel Associations. The Isha. 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 Used to be Isha, but there was an E on the end. Now it's just Isha. They rebranded. Some great leaders from around the country. Learned a lot, frankly, as well, um, that I think will benefit this association and how it creates value for our hotel members. So good conference as well. Simultaneous to all of that, we also launched the all-new... Drumroll. Michigan Hospitality and Tourism Alliance. The Alliance. The Alliance. So, what is it? Well, I mean, I assume everyone knows, but it's an all-new collaborative of statewide and a few select regional organizations that represent our industry broadly. And the idea was all of us coming together to try to speak with one voice. So it was clear, concise, and there could be no confusion over what the expectations are of this state as it relates, at least at the outset, to the Pure Michigan campaign. It sounds like a powerhouse. Mm, some some might say. <laughs> some have, critics have claimed. Actually, which one was that? M Live. Lindsay M-Live. Moore. Thank you, Lindsay. Love that. I think, was Lindsay the one who was considering calling us the Avengers? That would have been... I think that's Paula Gardner, <laughs> and that article hasn't hit yet, and I am ready for it. Paula, do me one. That would be great. It's been great. We've had a lot. How much meeting have we had? I feel like I've done... A dozen interviews, and I and More I'm not the that. only one. There's are several alliance members from across the state doing interviews right now. Shout out to Chris Moyer from Visit Detroit, Trevor Tkach from Traverse City, who have done some some interviews as well. And uh, I think it's been a positive start, and it needs to be. We're asking for fifty million dollars for Pro Start. That shouldn't be that nope. shocking. No. Nope. Damn it! Did I say Pro Start? <laughs> yes. I was so terrified I was going to do that. <laughs> In an actual interview, and I never did, and here I am doing it on the podcast. We can just edit that out, right? No, we're gonna. We're definitely keeping that ah, in. Fifty, fifty million dollars for ProStar would be really life changing. Fifty million dollars <laughs> for the Pure Michigan campaign. We believe the data justifies that dollar figure. We believe that figure keeps us in better competition with our surrounding states that have been seeing that Michigan has walked back its contribution down to fifteen million dollars, one five and have upped their game. And so now we're seeing some competition out there that dangerous. You know, just because we have the best program, the best tourism campaign in the country, doesn't mean we can take it for granted. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be investing in it as you should be. Make any brand, pick any brand you want. McDonald's is always the easiest one. Everyone knows there's like a 100% saturation rate, rate on knowledge of McDonald's and what its menu is. It doesn't stop them from advertising nonstop every day to make sure you are continually reminded same thing for Pure Michigan. It's a great point. And it's because we know that the ROI is there. I mean, when you have a product as good as this state, you invest in it and you get a return on that investment. And we are a, a great return on that investment. So we have to make the case now to the rest of the legislature. And speaking of, we have a new four-member hospitality and tourism caucus. First time ever that this industry has had its own legislative caucus. And what are they going to do? Well, there are four legislators. Two senators, two representatives, okay. two Republicans, two Democrats, bicameral, bipartisan. They're going to be out there educating their colleagues, making making sure they all know as well the importance of hospitality and tourism to Michigan's economy overall, to our, our presence amongst other states, 
to our ability to recruit, which is a big issue right now, right? Talent recruitment and retention. It all starts with a visit. We all know we need to get people to here, to Michigan, see it in person, and then you'll want to stay. You'll want to stay. You want to raise your family here. You want to start a business here. It all starts with a visit. Yeah, I think an interesting point that I read when we were prepping for this is that among travelers who moved to a new location in the past three years, 67% of them reported that they visited their hometowns as a leisure visitor prior to moving there. Feels like common sense to me, but I think it's something, I mean, it's something we talked to Hillary Doe about, chief growth officer of Michigan, about at the end of last year. So it all goes hand in hand. Let's prioritize this investment. Makes infinite sense. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. The budget came out yesterday. The governor proposed the FY25 budget. That's a budget that will start October 1st. What we saw was the same $15 investment. Did I say $15? Yikes. Yeah. $15 million. Can I tell you? It's got been a, a long week. Got it's got been a lot a, on the brain. It has been a long week, and it's just, it's not even, it's not even close to being done yet. It's not even noon <laughs> on a Thursday. $15 million for Pure Michigan starting October 1st, which is the carryover of the $15 million we have right now. Put that in comparison to some very big numbers right now for Wisconsin, well over $60 million, over 40 for Minnesota. We're at a disadvantage right now, and we can't take for granted that we have a great program and we have a better state. So we'll keep making that case. The data suggests it's there. We'll keep pushing. But I'm excited. The Alliance uh, and its 11 founding members, and I say 11 founding members because at some point, the core group that started having conversations last fall had to be the group that pushed this idea and concept out there. But the number of, of organizations that have reached out since this release went out is... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's insane. It's great. And so we want to bring all of them in from across the state. I mean, several from the UP, from Southwest Michigan, from West Michigan, all the way around, uh, very interested in being part of this alliance. That excites me. That gets me fired up to want to work with all of these organizations going forward to, to you know create a better ceiling. Yeah, I just want to list some of those organizations. We talked about Traverse City Tourism and Visit Detroit, Mackinac Island Tourism Bureau, Michigan Association of CVBs, MARVAC, Michigan Association of Recreational Vehicles and Campgrounds, Boating Industries, the Brewers Guild, Festivals and Events, MRLA, of course, Snow Sports Industries, TICOM. So the, the list is long, and it's from every, every corner of the state and a lot of those aspects that go into when you think hospitality, tourism, and travel. And I think we're seeing so much interest because it's it's what people want. And now they have something to, to back that ask. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So this is going to be, as if you haven't picked up on that yet, a pretty advocacy-heavy alliance. That's the purpose, to be better, stronger, more unified advocates on behalf of our broader industry. So stay tuned. This budget process is going to be a, a critical one, and it will take place over the next several months. Uh, but we will be engaged with our partners aggressively. Capital Day is coming. May 8th. May 8th. All right. So we are, I didn't really say it, but we're in the GA segment of the podcast for Fork's sake. Anything else GA related that you want to run down? There has been quite a bit of talk from our national partners about the new tax relief. Yeah, Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act. Yeah, something the House, the U.S. House did get done because it, you know, over the last 24 hours, it's been chaos at the U.S. House. The two big votes that they had scheduled both failed. It does not look great for, for U.S. House Republicans right now when you, you know, it's it's the most important thing you can do is count votes and you have to know you have them before you put something up. To have two things fail back to back uh, has been catastrophic for the House leadership right now. And I, and I say that 
not just because it's new news, but it, it puts in perspective how great the win was a week earlier when the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act, House Resolution 7024, passed 357 to 70, rare bipartisanship. Whoa. That doesn't happen very often these days, but rare bipartisanship and two components very important to this industry. If you are reading our communications, you have probably already participated because we have asked our members to engage on your own behalf and, and help us help you. Uh, the two big things you want to hit on, restoring EBITDA interest deductions, right? So the current limit on business interest expensing acts like a tax on investments that Main Street businesses like restaurants must make to remain viable. Restaurants uniquely, uniquely capital intensive as they live in that 12 to 18 hours a day. Yeah, so that's investing in like building upgrades, dining room remodels, expansions, refurbishments, things like that. Huge impact to restaurants yeah. and hotels. And hotels. Well, same here too. Bonus depreciation, helping everyone, but certainly this industry as well. So accelerates bonus depreciation for equipment and vehicles. It's going to help restaurants, going to help hotels as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're putting out a call to action today. So by the time this comes out, it's already been out. We'll link it in the description of this episode for you to write to your senators and ask them to pass this because that's the next step in this process. And it's probably going to take a while, right? Just because don't be fooled by that great vote in the House. That is, this is this is a heavy lift in the Senate. Not impossible, but it's going to take the active engagement uh, of our members here. So stay tuned for those opportunities to engage. Fahey Schultz Berzik Rhodes PLC is Michigan's premier attorneys for hospitality-related legal services. The depth and breadth of experience within their team enables them to serve as a one-stop resource for clients throughout the hospitality industry. Their diverse client portfolio includes national restaurant chains, regional restaurants, hotels, taverns, entertainment venues, golf courses, liquor stores, as well as breweries, distilleries, and wineries. They have the expertise to assist clients with corporate formation and structure, engaging new investors, assisting with local and state licensing matters, all aspects of liquor licensing and violations, real estate matters, including purchase transactions or leases, intellectual property protection, advising on and executing expansion opportunities through franchising or other growth vehicles, purchase and sale agreements, succession planning, and planning and executing exit strategies. Clients also benefit from the experience and insight of lawyers who practice across the full range of legal fields, which intersect with the hospitality industry. When day-to-day -day employment law issues emerge, their experienced labor and employment attorneys are there to counsel and provide strategic advice. When threatened by legal action, their litigation attorneys are prepared and ready to defend clients' interests. Their full-service approach makes their firm uniquely positioned to help hospitality clients of any size. All right, let's go into Pineapple Express, our current events. This outline's line's looking pretty full. Why don't we start with the softball? We just got heavy with a lot of GA stuff. Hit me. Starbucks, you familiar? Vaguely. They are taking their olive oil, olive oil coffee national. You can get it anywhere. Do you remember we talked about this a year-ish ago on this podcast? And I believe we said, while that seems concerning, the idea of the health benefit was going to draw people in, especially that Starbucks customer, and there would be interest. And if it wasn't absolutely terrible in texture, that they were going to be all in for it. So what's going on? Yeah, everyone apparently is all in for it. The, the CEO called it a game changer at the time and was greeted with skepticism. 
right, us as well. But it's done well in early markets, and they are pushing forward the product. Last week, they pushed it forward nationwide. So I meant to get some and bring it in, and we could taste test, you know, nothing better than a taste test on an audio podcast, right? We'll do a follow-up. I am intrigued enough that I really, I haven't had it yet either, and I do want to try it, you know, if... If I'm going to inject my heart with 10,000 milligrams of caffeine in a day, I want to also make sure it's running smoothly and the olive oil going to help that process out. I like it. Yeah, maybe we'll add a dash of Celsius to the mix, really get things, really get weird. All right. The national, back on national news, I suppose, but our national partner associations, the National Restaurant Association and the American Hotel and Lodging Association, both released in the last week their annual State of the Industry Reports. A lot of interesting data in this one, some umbrella themes, obviously two separate national organizations, but I'm representing hospitality across the front. So I'll just run through some of these quickly. The main themes, growth. Both industries are experiencing growth in sales, employment, and revenue, showcasing a positive trajectory despite obvious challenges. Again, I think Michigan is kind of an outlier in our recovery and the state of this industry. That doesn't mean everything's terrible, but these are national figures that we're looking at here. One trillion dollars in sales. That's huge. It's a lot. The, the, it's that, a lot. Is, that is for the food service industry. So that's a big number. Yeah. And uh, total industry, restaurant industry employment expected to get to 15.7 million by the end of this year. Mm, you have to see some different trend lines than we're seeing in Michigan on that front uh, to, to get there. And, and then the hotel guest spending big as well. Yeah. The HTM will get us there. Hmm, I like that. Nice plug. HTM.com slash step up. Let me finish the line, though. Hotel guest spending reaching $758 billion. Um, so a 5% jump. That's a big jump. Absolutely. Some of those other themes, competition. There's intense competition in both sectors. So the need for being strategic and differing yourself within the, the market share. 45% of food service operators expect competition to be more intense this year. And then economic realities. This is nothing new to any of our listeners. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on it, but rising costs and labor, food, challenges with profitability, those will be ever present throughout the year. 98% of food service operators cite higher labor costs as an issue. I'd like to know the 2% that don't. Right. Let's get them on. <laughs> consumer behavior, consumer preferences, they're going to value dining experiences and value and they're they're looking for value in what they're getting because those economic realities are present for for guests as well as operators and then resiliency that's something that goes hand in hand with the hospitality industry i would say especially in michigan but they uh they demonstrate resilience with projecting projections indicating continued growth record level revenues and a gradual return to pre-pandemic levels of activity yeah, it's good to see hotel occupancy is still continuing to tick up, expected to be about 63.6% nationally. I don't want to bum out Michigan a little bit, but our numbers are a little below that national average in occupancy. But, you know, maybe with the draft, maybe we won't actually be below that occupancy overall. Can one event for just a few days dramatically uptick our overall occupancy for, for a full year? I guess we will find out. But still seeing some positive trend trend lines on that on that side for the hotel industry as well. Absolutely. Okay, moving on to the next story. Bill Wentworth Jr., we awarded him. We talked about the chairman's dinner and the board meeting that we had this past Sunday, Monday, or I guess a week ago, now that this is coming out on Monday. We awarded him the Distinguished Service Award, which is our favorite award, I think, each year and our most prominent one from the association. Can you tell us a little bit about 
Bill. Oh, Bill's the best. I get to see him a few times a year at the MRL Fund Board of Directors meetings. Shout out for all of your workers' compensation needs, the MRL Fund. Uh, best place to go for anyone in this industry. But Bill has been a leader his entire life in this industry, right? Like he, he helped create Miller Apple forever ago. They now have 23 Applebee's locations, two Sonic drive-ins across the state of Michigan. And so he has been a leader and an innovator in, ter- in terms of how they choose to operate those properties for years, longtime member of our board as well. But you know what? My favorite part about Bill, Bill's just an exceptionally nice and humble guy that you would love to hang out with, grab a beer with, and just talk about this industry or anything in life altogether about. So I was excited for him. I was really excited that his family was able to make it, his kids and everything, uh, which was a surprise to him. And it's always my favorite because when that connectivity happens, work and family together and honoring someone who's dedicated their life to this industry, it hits me every year. Yeah. Every year I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to hit me every, it does. It hits me every year. <laughs> I get the misties and it was great. It was so great to see that happen. And, and Bill is a man of few words, but he spoke passionately and eloquently about both his family and, and his work. And it was great to be there for it. Yeah, we often know that that surprise with the family surprise is coming and it still gets us. So it's fun to see it get the recipient that surprise as well. So Congratulations, Bill. Absolutely. And thank you, Danielle Wentworth, by the way, for making all of this possible. Bill's Did wife. the most to help so us execute yes. this. Okay, pineapple plaudits. So I have a, I have an, I don't know, an HR complaint to file against our own John McNamara. Oh, is this the best place to air that? Yes. Oh. I think so. So Miles Teller was at Crunchy's in East Lansing the other day, earlier this week. He made stops across a few different places in Michigan and I think believe Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor as well. He is the co-founder of Long Drink, Mm. a a classic. Some people listening to this podcast might not know who Miles Teller is. Why don't you, for Justin, just in case. He, he's an actor. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. But I think he really ricocheted to the top of everyone's awareness level in the remake of Top Gun. What's his call sign? I think it's Rooster. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you know, you're going to pretend you don't know who he is. But I know who he is. <laughs> Actually, my favorite movie of his is, and I can't remember the name of it, what is the drum movie? Drumline. Uh, is it Drumline? No, I don't know. Uh, no, that's with not. Nick Cannon. I'm pretty sure that's not <laughs> Drumline. We're going to have to look it up. Clearly, it's my favorite movie, and I don't even know the name of it. Yeah. He's been in a lot. He was in Footloose. He's been in more than that, but that's all that's coming to mind right now. All right, you talk. I'm going to look in real time, so I can't I can't deal with this embarrassment of not knowing the name of this. Uh. Okay, so he is the co-founder of Long Drink, which is a great gin seltzer, I guess you could call it, in a can. It's one of my top, it's in my top three, for sure. It tastes like fresca. It's delicious. Is and that's what not is. a bad thing. That's not a pejorative, but go on. So he was making stops across Michigan to promote the drink. Um, I saw some videos, some friends did meet him and I was very jealous. The majority of the MRLA office, just to circle back, John is very close with the Crunchy's ownership and did not put this on our radar or get us in to this. So we're all pretty upset with him. He knows. We, we, we made it clear. Um, but also a fun fact, he long drink, Michigan drinks four times more long drink than any other state. Four times. I don't know what that says about us. Either they, either they have just the world's best rep selling long drink in Michigan, or there's just a massive amount of consumption. I feel like there's a pure Michigan long drink connection here that we can help facilitate. This, this is the pathway forward. <laughs> I'll get uh, the alliance on it. <laughs> alliance, assemble. <laughs> okay. 
What's the movie? Whiplash. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh my God, it's so good. 2014 and J.K. Simmons is is the instructor teacher. I don't I should probably have more to say, but he's amazing and Band he's a director? complete hardcore a-hole as mm. a teacher, but he's, he demands a lot and it, you know, basically or almost breaks him. Miles Teller. Great movie. Check it out. Yeah, I'll watch it this weekend and report back. Oh, it's on Netflix. Your favorite. There you go. Perfect. We're all winning. Okay, one more story before we get into our interview today. Um, AHC Hospitality, which we're familiar with. We've had George on from AHC Hospitality before. Rick wins on our board with AHC. They are now going to manage the Parkland, Parkland Properties of Michigan Developments in Muskegon. That news hit yesterday, so I thought it deserved a shout out. That's multiple downtown hotels, restaurants, and convention space. Yeah, that's a big deal. In Muskegon, that is a substantial development, and AHC is going to be the management company and going to do a fantastic job there. That is an expansion beyond the, the, the custom home base of Grand Rapids. So interesting all the way around to see the growth of that of that company. And, you know, great news for Muskegon that has a growing downtown and tourism presence. And you know who's going to know that more than anyone? Co-founding Alliance Hospitality and Tourism Legislative Caucus member, oh. Representative Will Snyder of oh. Muskegon. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Love to see it. It's all connected. <laughs> there it is. To long drink. To long drink. Okay, let's get into our interview. We have Jeff Lobdell, president and founder of Restaurant Partners Management and current chairman of the National Restaurant Association, joining us today. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Jeff Lobdell is the president and founder of Restaurant Partners Management, LLC, headquartered in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jeff has 21 independent restaurant locations, two beachfront resorts, and employs over 900 people. He is passionate about the hospitality industry, his restaurant business, the communities that they are operating in, and his alma mater, Michigan State University. Jeff served as the chairman of the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association in 2007 and was awarded the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association's Distinguished Service Award in 2016, the top honor given to a Michigan restaurateur. Jeff previously served as vice chair of the National Restaurant Association and has been named chairman for 2024. He graduated from the MSU Hospitality Business Program in the Broad School of Business in 1988 and has been in the restaurant business for over 35 years. Jeff and his company, Restaurant Partners Management, are proud to be involved with numerous local nonprofits, including Kids Food Basket, Family Promise, and YMCA. Jeff is passionate about advocating for his communities, staff, and for fellow restaurant owners and operators at the state and national level. Jeff founded his company in 1995 with the opening of a bagel bakery and coffee shop in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He is married to Audrey Labdell and has four sons. Dane, Deacon, Mason, and Max, and three dogs. Besides his passion to serve the hospitality industry and spend time with his family, Jeff enjoys fishing, golfing, and ice hockey. Well, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. My friend, my colleague, someone I'm so honored to have on this show because I've never seen anyone as dedicated, as long, and as strong as you are in defense of our industry. So thank you for making the time today. Emily's going to ask the first question. Yeah, so you've had clearly quite the career in our industry, in the hospitality industry. Can you give us a, just a quick overview of how you went from your first bagel bakery and coffee shop to now over 20 restaurants in Michigan and two hotels? Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be on with you both. It's an honor. Talk a little bit about my career. I grew up in a 
restaurant family. Went to Michigan State with a hospitality business school. Got had some good experiences there, and then uh, go white. Uh, started this bagel bakery and coffee shop in Michigan on Michigan Street in Grand Rapids, and I wanted to have a chain of bagel bakery and coffee shops. And I was working with this restaurant consultant. He says, "Hey, I've got a friend that." Uh, has this place called the Beltline Bar and wants to sell it. And uh, next thing you knew, I, I'm, uh, which I'm, I'm right at 28th and Division here in Grand Rapids today as we speak above the Beltline Bar. And so that became part of my group in 20, in 2001, and uh, just kind of fell into a niche of acquiring restaurants from retiring restaurant tours. It worked out well for them. They could ride off into the sunset. The employees stayed on board. We didn't make a lot of massive changes kept putting money back into the investing in the facilities and the people. And it just worked well. I, I At a, one point in time, I thought, no, I'm going to grow the omelet shop brand or I'm going to grow the Grand Coney brand. And I just kept coming back to this niche I fell into of acquiring restaurants from retiring restaurateurs uh, around the state. And now two hotels are part of our group as well. Love that. You have continued to have a growth-oriented mind and an optimism around this industry that we don't always see, right? It can be a challenge operating in this industry, highly regulated industry, one that you know operates usually on the lower end of the profit scale. But when I see Jeff Lebdell, I see a guy who only sees optimism and opportunity in this business. How do you, to what do you attribute that mindset? Because it's clearly worked for you, right? You continue to grow. And you are renowned and, and, and well-known in, in the area. And people keep coming to you, frankly, with their restaurants uh, when, it, when they're ready to call it a day. How do you, what, what is it you attribute to that mindset of belief that there's always a brighter day for this industry? Well, I, I think we have a very vibrant hospitality industry. And a lot of my places have been around for decades. They're uh, kind of cherished community gathering places that are woven into the fabric of the neighborhood in which they operate. The, it's a great place. A lot of them are great little breakfast and lunch diners or little neighborhood burger joints. There are six locations in Traverse City and four great food brands and 15 in Grand Rapids. You know, I I, I, I see the assets in the business or it's not necessarily the secret sauce or the wonderful view of Grand Traverse Bay or any bright, shiny object, it's more the the great people that are there. So when I acquire a restaurant, it comes with those great assets that that are many of these restaurants are like family, uh, maybe not literally like family, but figuratively to some degree, because there's a sense of community in each restaurant. And um, there's there's it's worked well for me because I can co-brand if you want to go to breakfast at Red Geranium or Omelet Shop, Flapjack Shack, Real Food Cafe. Any of these were like, hey, you should go to dinner at Beltline Bar, go have lunch at Pete's Tavern, and and or go down for happy hour at Rockwell, or go to Apache Trout Grill or West End for a evening experience. So there's some cross branding that we can do within our group, a rewards program, and I just love what I do. I love working with people and and all the great experiences that everybody has. It's always so authentic. This is what I love too. You're a great businessman, and we all know that about you. But like, there's you can see it's palpable the fact that it matters to you that a restaurant is an anchor of a community that brings people together, and that that's what inspires you, gets you excited. And so when you see an opportunity, it's not just dollars and cents. Anytime, what you see is the opportunity to be in a position to create community everywhere it is and maybe even improve something that's always been great. I, I love that about you. And I love that, that you've never lost that throughout the years. 
Thank you. I, I, I think we're fortunate in Michigan. We're a travel and tourism state that uh, we have these great community gathering places. And it's not just my places, not just Grand Rapids and Traverse City. We have it all across the state. You know, you, you go to places, you know, like California or even Minnesota and other places out there. But I think the tip credit is important to our industry. There's we have, you know, I have 900 employees, probably 600 of them are servers that rely on their flexible schedules, their great wages, and they they enjoy their working environment and the people that they get to take care of that come in every day. And in some of these states, like I said, California and Minnesota have lost the tip credit. So so what happens then, it's not just hurts the business and because many of them go away, but it hurts those 600 servers that either have to become cashiers or, or move into a different industry, but it hurts the communities. I mean, in California and in Minnesota, you can have fine dining or you can have, you know, quick service, drive-through. You don't have those little neighborhood diners. And and right now in America, we worry a lot about those people that can no longer afford a house or, you know, they or can't afford a car. Now they won't soon won't be able to afford that dining experience where you go in and somebody waits on you. It's it's just a very pleasant thing to have happen. But if we lose our tip credit, we we many of our people would lose that. And I think that's really important here in Michigan. I like it. You naturally pivoted to some of the major policy issues that are so ingrained. We talk about all the time are so ingrained in this industry. But that's a good segue because that passion led you to be not just a member of and then chair of our board of directors back in the day, all the way back 2007. Do I have that right? I was chair in 2007. 2007. Yeah. Nailed it. And then and then moving from there on to the National Restaurant Association, where you've been a board member for several years and moved into a position as an officer. And now this year, serving as chair of the National Restaurant Association, a point of pride for me and for everyone here at the MRLA and everyone in the industry. So how do you connect those two how do you connect those two things, right? The, the passion about the policy that goes around this industry and how you can serve by being on the board? Well, thanks. Yeah, I've been very passionate about the industry. The industry has been very good to me and my family. I'm a second generation restaurant person. My father, Wayne, was in the fast food business, Taco Bell's, primarily some Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pizza Hut, but primarily my brother Marty has is, is come on to take over that company and help grow it and thrive. Most of those locations are in New York State and Tennessee. My younger brother, Greg, who sits on our Michigan board, has brew pubs in the Ann Arbor and Traverse City area. He has some partners. And so it's been great to our our, our whole family. And I, I mentioned earlier, I have some hotels in my group. So on representing the industry as the chairman of the board, I feel like I can look at it from different perspectives. I can look at it from fast food operators and staff. I can look at it from your neighborhood diner or your fine dining restaurants that are part of my group or look at it from hotels or look at it from brew pubs as I hear other family members. So family has kind of been my theme. You know, I think not only my family and it's been good to my family, but so many families rely on this industry. You know, there are this year they they project that our nationally, our industry will do one point one trillion dollars in sales spread over one million food and beverage service establishments supported by 15 million workers. So that's 15 million families that really count on these businesses to grow and thrive. And that doesn't even mention all the consumers that come through. But 
15 million workers is one is 10% of our entire nation's workforce. So it is a very important industry in our country. And um, I think many times going out, dining in restaurants is is uh, what brings Americans together. And as, as technology has improved and coming out of the pandemic, our industry has uh, evolved where we can do more delivered to people and more you know, drive through. You got a, a baby in the back of the car. You don't want to have to get out and go in. You can go through a drive through and get food. You can have a, a meeting catered at the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging headquarters. You don't always have to go someplace. So there, we have more options, better technology. I think our industry is really evolving, and I'm excited to represent all segments of the industry and all families in the industry. Yeah, I think I think family seems to be a, a theme that you've mentioned from the start when you talked about the restaurants or hotels and how the, the staff can feel like a family, your family impacts, the families that that our industry, you know, feeds and lodges and all of that. What does being a family business mean to you and how does it impact the way that, you know, you've talked about how it impacts your your vantage point as chairman of the National Restaurant Association this year, but how does it impact the way you run your operations? Well, I have two adult sons. One's at Michigan State. He's 21 years old and another one, 23, works in the trades and I'm proud of them both. But they have worked since they're 14 years old in restaurants and they've learned work ethic and teamwork. And I believe it is two out of every three Americans have worked in a restaurant and one out of every three Americans had it as their first job. I think it's important. I think more people should encourage their kids to get a job in a restaurant. You learn those interpersonal skills dealing with as a host and greeting people and, and having a conversation with them on the way back to the table or working on a drive in a drive through with the headsets on and and trying to upsell them or whatever you're going to do. The youth today, they're, you know, they, they're on their devices. They're probably smarter than ever, but they're less advanced with their interpersonal skills. And working in a restaurant, you get to work directly with people. I think it's great training. I'm encouraging a lot of people to consider the the hospitality industry. There, there's no better pathway from starting with nothing into the middle class. There's so many great opportunities. And in restaurants and hotels, the pay has never been better. The benefits have never been better. You've never been more loved and cherished because our industry is short people that you're, you're you know, for the most part, you're treated very well because we can't do without you. Yeah, I think it's a great industry to go into. It, it really impacts your family, whether it's your children working in it or you as an adult. A lot of people work in our industry as part time. A lot of people go into our industry as they've kind of fallen upon hard times as a second chance. And more often than not, you get what you want out of the industry. You get those interrelation skills. You earn good money. You can advance. And and if the company that you work for is a single unit operator. You know, I, we had somebody within our organization that, that, that we've had people leave to go start their own restaurants, somebody that was a district manager that got hired to be a director of operations elsewhere. Sad to see people go, but happy to see them advance. And there's the sky's the limit of how far you can move up in this industry. Yeah, so true. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think this industry ever gets the credit it deserves for, for being the training ground pr- to provide. To provide some of that baseline understanding of what it's like to exist in the real world. Uh, you're right. Technology increasingly keeping eyeballs on screens as opposed to engaged with other human beings. If this industry isn't going to be offering that first job for individuals, how are they going to enter that workforce when they go on to whatever career, whether it's this one or, or somewhere else, if they didn't get some of the training ground that was so I mean, critical for me 
to pick up those people skills and understand basic level of respect and accountability early on. And I think this industry never gets the, the credit it deserves for how much time and investment and, and they put in. Justin, if I could interrupt for a second, I've got, you know, some key leaders in my company that had either little or no college, but they said, you know, when I went to work in a restaurant, I actually got a de facto degree in HR. I got a de facto degree 100%. in accounting, production, marketing, social media, you know, because in a restaurant, you get a little taste of every skill there is out there in business and in a little microcosms of all the industries we have across our country that you're right. It's you get so many great training opportunities and and uh, literally degrees in other fields by working in a restaurant. Well, we talked about technology as it impacts the, the the youth and their their focus and attention. How do you think technology will play into the future of this industry and how does that interrelate with its workforce? I'm hopeful that we make technological advances with the with the application process. I know the National Restaurant Association is working on stuff to and Michigan has been ahead of the game in what they've done with a lot of their videos and and trying to advance workforce, all the training that we've tapped into and have a- access to. I think technology will help in in many different areas with with training across the board. I I, I hope that we do something with the interview process, you know, because I think, no offense, but the the Indeeds of the worlds, the monsters, the zip recruiters, all those services that are currently now filling our inboxes with interviews that don't show up, something needs to change there. Uh, I, I would like to see those services be a little bit more responsible and make sure that they set you up with interviews that are you're pretty sure are going to show up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked a lot, of course, about your experience with restaurants, leading the National Restaurant Association, but you do have two hotels you mentioned a couple of times up in Traverse City, correct? So what 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 made you want to dive into the hotel business <laughs> after being in restaurants for so long? And what's how do those experiences differ? Well, uh, much like taking on businesses from retiring restaurateurs, uh, the the great folks at LaBelle Management were kind of downsizing and selling some of their properties. And it was an opportunity for me to look at diversifying my portfolio of hospitality businesses. And I've always been fond of Sugar Beach and Grand Beach Resort. There's very few beachfront hotels in Traverse City. They're beautiful properties, very close to where my parents live in Traverse City, very close to my six restaurants. It came with amazing management team there that's doing a wonderful job. And and I think, you know, buying hotels is is not cheap in comparison to buying restaurants (laughs) but but i think it's you know it also allows me to diversify like i said a minute ago and and having more in the real estate side of it and and i love traverse city and not just the area the beauty the people but so many people love traverse city people travel from all across the world to go to traverse city and even the midwest so even when the economy is starting to hit the skid brakes a little bit, Traverse City keeps cruising along. And so I I, I think it's uh, a great place to invest in. It's a great place to visit. And uh, I'm very happy with the decision to do that. Love it. I love when Jeff called me the day he bought those hotels and says, hey, if you can do it, so can I. So I like it. We're, we're both in the hotel game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have cousins who go up. I remember and- that conversation. <laughs> I have cousins who go up and stay there every summer because of the the beachfront access. It's a great property. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting, you know, you talked about Traverse City and, and how special it is. And I think a lot of places around Michigan are 
are special and you have a unique vantage point now as chairman, but also, you know, through your board leadership on the National Restaurant Association to see the perspectives from, you know, states all across the country. What do you think is unique about operating a restaurant or hotel here in Michigan that stands out to you? I think Michigan is obviously a travel and tourism state. I think we've We've done a lot of great things in our state over the last 20 years with of building our travel and tourism industry. You know, all the conferences that you all work so hard on to help propel that are amazing. The the Pure Michigan campaign, I think, has helped build that up. Good plug. I know you're working hard to see that get <laughs> funded some more. That would be wonderful because it, it just it, it, it further advances everybody all across our state, whether it's, you know, Lansing, Detroit the Bay Area, Northern Michigan, when people, I remember being in Las Vegas for a conference and seeing Pure Michigan on on my television screen. It made me proud because I'm from Michigan, but I'm like, I can see why people want to go there uh, with that campaign. I hope they continue that. Michigan is unique because we we have a lot. We have a lot of uh, industry uh, in the Southern Michigan. We have a lot of tourism in Northern Michigan, but I, I think there's a a good charm of people in Michigan that really care about not only their their fellow citizens, but the tourism that come here. They want to share their beautiful state with people. Um, you don't get that in a lot of states, but uh, you certainly get it here in Michigan. Well, we'll get you out of here in a second with the lightning round. Always a fun way to conclude. <laughs> but before you go, I just want to make it clear how appreciative we are uh, of your leadership. I think we have the best board of directors, not just in Michigan, but in the country. And it is because of leaders like you that have committed well beyond their time and demonstrate the importance of continuing to engage, continuing to be involved with the association that sets a standard that that I think puts us above and beyond. So for everything we do here to be successful on your behalf, I, I thank you for your level of commitment over 20, 20 plus years here. This association. Thank you. I- and we had our board meeting earlier this week, and it was close to 40 people sitting around that table. And it was a uh, I was very impressed with the leadership and the the accomplishment of so many people in that room. And there's, I want to say, six new board members that were very impressive. So all of you at the MRLA have done a great job of having a strong and vibrant board that really are advocating on behalf of all of us operating here in Michigan helping advance all of our our staff and our teams with the training. And uh, I think our future is very bright. Agreed. All right, Emily, lightning round. All right, are you ready? Go easy on them. I'm right, yeah. Okay, what is the last song that you listened to? Here I Go Again by Whitesnake, which is actually uh, Audrey and I, my wedding song. We were both on our second marriages, and we played uh, "Here I Go Again," and that happened to be playing in the car on my way down here this morning. Nice. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. um, what is the last show that you streamed? Uh, we've been watching um, "Hell on Wheels." Oh. It's kind of like um, post World War or, or post Civil War kind of California pre California Gold Rush Western times. It's kind of in the genre a little bit of. Uh, some of those movies that were prequels to Yellowstone, Hell on Wheels. It's been kind of interesting. Interesting. I'll have to check Noted. that out. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite tourism destination in Michigan? And I'm going to throw throw a curveball that you can't say Traverse City. 
Uh, well, it can't be his tourism destination. Um, well, that's where he grew up. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, you you already you already uh, you already knew I was going to say Traverse City, but I do love. Uh, we have so many great tourism areas here, but uh, my family gets so excited when we get to go Mackinac Island, and uh, you know that's a cherished gem. So that would be uh, easily a lot of people's favorite. My number two because of my Traverse City connections at my National Restaurant Association board meeting. I greeted the hundred some board members when they got there with a, a pack of Riba's Mackinac Island fudge. Everybody one. loved it. I can't tell you how many people pulled Audrey and I aside and said how much they love this fudge. Where did you get? I go, you're getting a taste of Michigan. And our friend Todd Callowert, I said, and my theme has been family, the Callowert family, you know, they have Island House Hotel. They have all these great restaurants and Riba's fudge. And, and I brought it here for all of you to have and they loved it. So had to give a shout out to uh, Mackinac Island, Todd Callowert as well. Love it. Great plug for Todd. Absolutely. And last but not least, what is your go-to cocktail of choice? Oh, I think I know this one. I think I do too. Uh, well, of course, you know, I'm a whiskey uh, whiskey uh, lover. I've got a big whiskey collection. So I do like old fashions, Manhattans. I had this on a recent travel going through Denver. I had a, a black Manhattan and uh, it's it's got like the... The vermouth is a little sweeter and darker in the Manhattan. I don't have, uh, since you caught me in this lightning round, I don't happen to have the recipe with me, but that's kind of a new favorite, but anything with whiskey is pretty good. We'll have to find that recipe and put it in the show notes. Well, it's a great plug for... I'll find it for you. I'll get it to you, Emily. Awesome. <laughs> Every year, Jeff's out there raising money on behalf of different funds to tied to this industry, the Restaurant Advocacy Fund which is run by the National Restaurant Association uh, and, and does a big event every year that's golf-related. But Jeff also hosts a bourbon-tasting dinner in Grand Rapids. So if you're listening, stay tuned for some details on that coming out later this year. Good plug. Yeah, we'd love to have you. It's a, a great time. Oh, it's a popular event. Sells out real fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jeff Lobdell, thank you for being on What's With the Pineapple, and thank you for uh, a lifetime of commitment to this industry. We appreciate you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you both, and I love your show. Keep up the great work. Thank Thanks, you. Jeff. Have a good one. 